You're listening to The Dealmaker's Edge with A.Y. Strauss, diving deep into stories behind commercial real estate leaders. Welcome, everybody. Today, we are joined on our podcast by a legend, a legend in commercial retail real estate, legend in Texas, uh, Herb Weitzman. He's the executive chairman of Weitzman, which he started in 1990. And it's a full-service commercial real estate brokerage firm, major owner, property manager, about 44 million square feet handling the retail leasing through their brokerage, and also about 22 million square feet on the property management side on the retail. And his awards and accolades are too lengthy to list in the intro of the bio. So um, I will mention just in passing, he won the 2018 Dallas Business Hall of Fame award. So uh, welcome, Herb, and your story is amazing. And um, our listeners, I'm sure, are very excited to hear it and really appreciate you being on with us today. And thank, thank you for taking the time. My pleasure. Um, well, maybe you could start off if you had a long and storied career in commercial real estate and the success you have today was clearly built on many, many years of hard work. Maybe you could talk about the early years and how you broke into real estate and what was the trajectory from the beginning? Uh, believe it or not, it happened when I was four or five years old because my, my mother and dad had a little inner city store in Dallas on the east side of the downtown. And one day when I was about five, my dad said, uh, you want to come walk around with me and uh, help me collect rent? And I said, what are you talking about? And he said, well, I bought a few little rent houses behind the store and I go collect the rent on a weekly basis. And I said, well, why do you do that? He says, well, it's because this will be passive income and I'll pay these off and uh, it'll help the family, you know, have a few more things that we need. I said, okay. So that was the first time and I went many times with my dad, you know, when I was growing up. That was a great uh, education for me and a great upbringing. So uh, we moved when I was six uh, to East Dallas uh, where my dad bought duplex and when uh, I was 11, moved to University Park, graduated there, and then, you know, went on down to University of Texas in Austin. Came out of school with a business degree and a major in finance. You got your first job in commercial real estate after that? I, I got my first job in real estate was my junior year at college where I was going to work that summer uh, with a company uh, in Dallas called Henry's Miller Company. And uh, I thought I had a job. When I got through with, with uh, the junior year, I made a phone call. To the company, and they said, just check with us. Uh, we might have a job for you. But when I called, as the president of the company, he was uh, out of town. His son was at Air Force training. And Mr. Hermel Sr., who founded the company, uh, he was out of town as well at some convention. And so I just was so dejected because I had my heart just set on working for them over the summer. And so I decided, well, I'm going to go take a few real estate classes at SMU uh, to start beefing up on real estate. So I went and registered the next day, and I'm coming back. Of course, I have a pair of shorts on, cut-off T-shirt, and, and I'm going through a little shopping center near my house. I go in uh, just to make an appointment in a, in a little real estate office that I saw that was on the plaza. And I walk in. There's a lady about 80 years old. She comes up and says, can I help you? And I said, yes, I'd like to meet Mr. Porter at the company was Ralph A. Porter Company. Little did I know, he was very close friends with Henry Miller Sr., uh, the founder of the Henry S. Miller Company. And so I said, I'd like to make an appointment. She said, well, I'll, uh, hold, hold it just a minute and I'll check. Uh, I'll be right back. So 
she comes back to, well, Mr. Porter's here. He'll see you right now. And I said, well, I'm not dressed. I'm in shorts and a cutoff. I said, but okay. So I go back and I see Mr. Porter telling him I did get a job with the Miller Company and I was going to work for them this summer, but they're all out of town and I don't think I have a job. And I said, I'd like to work after I finish my class at 11 o'clock. I'll do anything. I just want to be exposed to real estate. He says, well, see what we'll do. We'll fire you for $75 a month. And you come on in after your class is over. I'll help you get your real estate license. I, I told him, you have a deal. And the next day I started, and I'd come in after class. I started looking immediately through their listings just to get familiar with what was listed. And there was only one commercial property. And uh, I said, boy, I know that property. I can't believe you got that for sale. And it was one of this, the little lady who had met me when I came in. She said, yes, a widow friend of mine uh, you know, wants to sell it. I said, well, great. I said, uh, I want to get all the information from you. So two or three days later, you know, it was a weekend. I had a date and, you know, I pick her up. Her father's there. And he said, what are you doing this, this summer, Herb? And I said, well, I'm working in real estate. You know, I'm going to school in the morning. He said, well, do you have any commercial properties? I said, you know what? There's a great property on Greenville Avenue. And this wasn't about, it was about three miles from where his car lot was. And he said, well, you gave me the information on it. I'd like to see it. Well, sure enough, quick story short is that, you know, he bought the property. It was my first sale. And, you know, Mr. Porter, I didn't even have a license. He helped me close it. And then another friend was coming back to town and uh, from Army, and my sister knew the family. She said, well, you might want to call them and see if the couple moving back needs a, needs a house. Well, I did that, and sure enough, I did some research, and, and now I'm in about the fourth week, and they're in town, and they find a house that they like, put under contract. Now I've got uh, two closings, you know, and I've only been, been working for four weeks. And about that time, Mr. Miller calls me. He, gets, he, he actually was on a trip to Europe, and he, he called me, and he says, oh, Herb, he says, I'm so sorry we didn't leave a message to you, but we had this job for you. And I said, well, listener, you just won't even believe what's happened. I've already got with Mr. Porter, and the closing comment was, when you get out of college this next year, we have a job for you. <laughs> so, so I said, oh, my God. I said, I've got my job for when I graduate. So uh, I joined the Miller Company after that, and, and uh, I set up the Farm and Ranch Division. So I ended up working for the first two or three years, you know, in the farm and ranch sales. And I started to learn all about the land around Dallas County. So, you know, it was just a winding road. But I, my clientele, who I was trying to sell land to, they'd say, Herb, find me an industrial building. I need to move a plant. Or find me an investment property. I need passive income. And so I started to get into all that. And by the time, you know, by five or six years, uh, I'd been in the business, you know. I really had learned all the land and owners around Dallas County. And, you know, we participated in all that growth because, you know, at that time, I think Dallas was about 700000 Now we're $8.5 million. And that's how I ended up in the development business because I would put deals together, I would find locations, and the tenant, you know, or a buyer wouldn't take it. And I knew because of my research that this was a, a very good location and I could do something with it. And so I would always take care of the customer and then uh, I would find a property there and I would put friends and family, you know, in deals and build them out. And we moved into the grocery business 
with A&P, who used to be here, and Safeway, who used to be here. And, you know, all the time I was doing development, I was growing the business of Henry Miller Company. And Henry uh, became my partner for about the first uh, 12 years. It's amazing. What was the types of crises you faced and how have you navigated them? Well, um, what we learned was uh, liquidity. And uh, from that standpoint, I hadn't uh, taken too many positions in raw land. Most of my deals were being were, were income property. And I was able, always able to generate my capital through the brokerage business. You know, for the last, you know, 20, 25 years, I was making, you know, substantially over a million dollars every year in my pocket, uh, you know, in the brokerage business. And every penny of it was going into, uh, into real estate deals. That's great. And talk about some of the mental agility or tenacity you need to be successful. You've been at this real estate game for many years. Um, some people come and go, some people stay around and you've been through so many cycles now and I've seen so much good, bad and everything in between, you know, how do you sort of keep your, your mental edge so strong all the time during all of these cycles? And it's such an unpredictable game. Um, even where we are now, how do you sort of maintain your focus throughout all the, the ups and downs? Well, um, I'm very focused, but what we have here in Texas is something other other states don't have. We're kind of a wildcatter state, and uh, you know, it comes from the oil industry. And what happened after the '73 to '75 cycle? We had another cycle in '79 where uh, we had tight money uh, in the banking system and uh, rapid rise of interest rates. So loans that I had at the bank went up to 24% and uh, made it through that okay, because a lot of the projects were financed and already stabilized, but that was over in 81. 81 was when the savings and loans were deregulated, and everybody who were on the sidelines or never could borrow money because now the savings and loans could lend money instead of just for residential, could lend it for commercial. And that took us into a ramped up period that uh, hit a crescendo. That's when the savings and loans started to go broke. Uh, the oil industry went broke and the banks went broke. And that was the roughest period for any developer, including the biggest to the smallest and anybody who had borrowed money. We learned so much during those periods, and what we learned from each one were three things. What we learned going forward that after we came out of this in, in 1990, we ended up knowing that we had to create more stabilized income. And then we also realized that we thought we were lowered properly, and we weren't. And so we knew that in the future we were going to have to be lower levered. And then the biggest thing is that we thought we had plenty of liquidity. And we went through the, you know, our liquid assets just to pay the mortgage to keep our name good until the bank says, stop paying. We don't want your 77 loans. Keep operating the properties. And fast forward for today, I'd love to hear how you're organized. I mean, obviously, the, the work you put in and knowing how to scale large-scale brokerage operation and the development and the syndication. But how are you organized today and how did that evolve to where it is today um, over the past 20-something years? Uh, we grew the company for the first 10 years, uh, brought Target here and did 70, 70 deals to Target, had relationships with all the main grocers 
And so going out with them and buying sites for the future, it was kind of amazing. You know, you were broke and now you built this company. And I said, well, yeah, it's just, it's just relationships. That's well said, relationships. And you've got ones going back decades at this point. What are you telling the next generation in your office these days who are coming up through the ranks? Um, every generation is different. They have their own challenges. They're facing all sorts of pressures. How are you talking to your mentees? I'm sure which number in the thousands these days, but when they sit down with you and they're asking you for advice, you know, how are you helping them shape their career? I'd love to hear how you're having those conversations with people. Yeah, well, we, we're a growth company, so we're always recruiting. What I'm interested in is first find out what they want. And what, I'm, what I try to get to is those that have the passion, you know, a burning fire to do something. But they don't understand real estate. In fact, they understand it less today than I think when I was there because you just had, had tough times. Your parents were poor. You had to work. You knew you had to work. I was in my parents' store looking at them, watching my mom on her knees putting the shoes on kids. I don't think that happens with, the, with kids today. You know, they grow up with a phone in their hand and most of the information's right there and they don't go have to dig, dig things out, sell newspapers or go buy groceries at a grocery store. You know, it's kind of beneath them today. And so I, 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 we have a hard time picking the winners, but we create superstars here. We move them up and they either stay at the brokerage or they say we move them over to development or they move, move them into our syndication group or whatever. But the most difficult thing I think we have to deal with and to grow a company, particularly with the, the personal problems that exist today. But what happens is you've got to pick leaders, and that's the number one issue because most companies can't get very big. In the brokerage business, if, if someone gets their strategy together, they can go make money in brokerage and make a lot of money in brokerage and then put that money to work in their stock and trade. We have programs in the company where we incentivize the broker, take care of the customer first, and then do that extra work and bring the deal in, and we'll put you into a deal for a carried interest. Sure. Anything, if you look back at your career, obviously hindsight's 2020, and maybe it's too big of a question, but any uh, specific regrets, anything you wish you would have done differently if you sort of played it back in reverse? I mean, you've, you've been through so much. You've built so much. And um, I know you have a forward-looking mentality, but anything you would have tried to go back and, um, and tweak if you, did, if you did it again? Oh, that's an easy. That is a softball. All right. You know, I would have gone and made all, all the big mistakes earlier. <laughs> I would have made them all early. Yeah. But you know what? Uh, you know, this is a business that you learn from trial and error, and you learn from your mistakes. What you have to be careful about with the – Cycles is playing a long-term game in real estate ownership with short-term cycles. You never know when they're going to hit. Who would have ever thought in our lifetime that we would see a world pandemic hit? It was so foreign to us, what we've been through the last two years and how retail particularly was shut down. The stores were closed. You know, what you have to do is go back to the three things I've said. Have stabilized income to get through the tough times. Don't get over leveraged and build up your liquidity. And I think those are very difficult things to happen because, you know, uh, in school, a, a failing grade is under 70. And we go do developments. We, we figure, okay, we got 15% risk here. You know, we're going to work hard. We're going to make it through. But, you know, on some of these cycles, the risk factor goes down to 65 or 60. And last question for you. I mean, we talked a little bit before we got on the, the podcast about your book. 
that you put out, Born to Build, which really talks about, you know, your 50 plus years of being deeply immersed in the Dallas commercial real estate. What I did, it, it, you can use it for, for college course. I did a seven, uh, a seven series webinar uh, through it with, uh, in, the, in the pandemic here with the University of Texas, you know, and all the students in the real estate, in the real estate school to, uh, uh, I would talk to them and we'd go chapter by chapter and they would ask questions and how did this happen? How did that happen? How'd you get through this? Because they really are just starting out in their careers and have no idea about how to build a capital base. It covers a lot of things, but it's, it's not from the, the, books, the book side and the tech side. And this is what the deans tell me that, you know, they want these students to come out better than they're coming out because they're not coming out as entrepreneurial. They're not getting close to the deal. We, we in, our, in our training of the people running around different departments, and, you know, we want them to drive with the managers and, and go out with the developer for a negotiating meeting. And we want them to follow the transaction and see the negotiation till it closes. Herb, I'll definitely have your mantra of don't over leverage, build liquidity and search for stabilized income running through my head for weeks now. And um, I want to thank you again for making time. Um, you really sure. have had an amazing career. I'm sure our listeners will really appreciate learning from it. And um, just want to thank you for the time. Um, anything else you wanted to add as long as we're on? Well, we're building, uh, we're in construction uh, with uh, 16 centers right now. And we have about another 15 that's planned, but we do them in stages. Now, one key thing, we don't want a big loan at the bank with the way retail is today. So if you like the site, you better love it because you need to buy it for cash. Whether you do it or you bring in partners so that you're able to build it in stages because it's going to be very difficult to build it at one time. Well, Senator, well, thank you again for making the time. It's been an amazing conversation. And uh, we look forward to watching you continue to be very successful. And thank you again for making the time to be continued. My pleasure. Good to, good to, good to visit with you guys. Thanks. Thank you for joining the Dealmaker's Edge. Don't forget to follow us on your favorite podcast platform. Give us a five-star rating so more people can follow the conversation.